What is going on, everyone? I am Mike. Welcome back to Network Podcast. Today is Friday, February 12th, and I am joined by Holden DePardo, and we are going to unravel what is going on with the iPhone 12 mini. Is it selling well? Is it not selling well? We're going to get to the bottom of that. We're going to find out what Dan Riccio is doing now that he's leading AR and VR development, in addition to watching Hyundai back that up and no longer working on Apple Car. Holden, how are we doing today? I'm doing well. New Mario game came out today, so I'm always happy when that happens. Bowser's Fury is pretty good so far. Yes, it is Mario Day, and Nintendo which just made available their special red and blue edition Nintendo Switch, which I was very fortunate enough to find one locally, actually. Uh, and I'm going to go pick it up later on. I did get it for my wife for Valentine's Day. Hopefully she likes it, and if she doesn't, really, it's going to be mine anyways. So <laughs> it could be worse. <laughs> it certainly could be worse. Holden, let's start off our first news story with uh, the iPhone 12 mini rumors, and the rumors are coming out. Uh, this was reported via Mac Rumors, if I'm not mistaken, and it's really talking about how the iPhone 12 mini is not selling well in that very first uh, segment or first half of January 2021. You know, for those who are uh, listening to this, for context, this phone is $100 less, $100 less than the iPhone 12 uh, 6.1-inch phone. It packs basically all the same feature set, just with a smaller battery. Now, this is kind of an interesting rumor because when this phone first was announced, uh, I think many people thought that this was going to give this was going to be one of the phones that sold the best because it really was again a copy of the iPhone 12 except for in smaller form factor. Now, you know, there's been a couple news points floated around that this phone isn't selling well. Uh, I don't know if this means that Apple is going to you know, maybe kill the phone. Maybe they're going to change it. Holden, what are your thoughts? It's definitely, based on the sales numbers that we have or the estimations, it's not selling well as the other iPhones. It definitely seems less popular than I would have expected it to be, but I'm not surprised it's not the most popular iPhone uh, 12 model. I think the larger screen sizes are more important to people, and I don't know if prices... Because a lot of people are saying that this is going to be the best-selling of the 12 models because the price was um, the cheapest, but I feel like when you're buying the most recent iPhone you're already in that upper echelon of iPhone prices that it's probably not your biggest consideration. You're probably at that point looking for the phone that you want as opposed to the cheapest way to get into it. Um, if you wanted a cheaper iPhone, you would get 11 or a 10R or an 8 or an SE. Um, there are other options there for you. Um, so I, I'm not super surprised that it's not the most popular, but I am surprised it's as low as it is. But even then, this is still a good selling phone. If it is 5%, that's still millions and millions of phones and a lot of profit on top of it. So I feel like this is still a good phone and it's probably still performing um, financially well for Apple. I don't think they're losing money on this by any means. Yeah, so I think uh, it's a very good point. You have to put this in context. So Apple sold like 60 million phones last quarter. Uh, if this was 5%, right, that's going to be roughly in the neighborhood of 3 million phones in a three-month time span. There are certainly some manufacturers who don't sell 3, month, three million phones, of course, you know, across the entire year. So selling <laughs> 3 million phones in a three-month time span for Apple, you know, it's I think it's going to be okay. They're not going to go mm -hmm. under. Um, Maybe. It, who knows? Maybe. Well. <laughs> yeah, who knows? This could be the end of Apple because the iPhone 12 mini is... is <laughs> that is certainly funny. Um, now... When I saw the phone or when I, you know, I did get it for the channel to review, I liked it a lot. I, I just had the problem where I felt like my hands were cramping up going from the iPhone 12, um, the iPhone 12 Pro at the time to the iPhone 12 mini. It just felt like it was too small for my hands to really to, to get comfortable typing on it. But I think that's probably like an unrealistic use case that not many people are going from the 6.1 inch iPhone from last year down to the iPhone 12 mini just because it's smaller. Uh, they're maybe upgrading from a different phone altogether. Maybe they're coming from the iPhone 8, the iPhone 6, 
uh, and they're looking for something that's comparable. Maybe people are buying it for their children who are it's their first phone. Um, who knows? So th- the addressable market, I think, for what this phone or who this phone is targeted for, I think, is maybe a little bit unknown, and people are giving it, I think, an unfair rap. But we'll see what happens in September when presumably the phone gets updated for you know the next uh, 12s or you know iPhone 13, whatever they're going to call it. Who knows? Yeah, I would be very surprised if there wasn't a 12s or 13 or whatever it's going to be called mini variant. I'd be very surprised they didn't have that. What was the name of the um, the phone that was released along the iPhone 5s? Was it the iPhone 5c? The five, yeah, the 5c, yeah. Like that just felt like a different phone because it was a different material. Mm-hmm. Um, even though it did have colors, uh, it didn't it didn't have Touch ID, right? Um, no, it was just it was an iPhone 5 with a uh, not not plastic, but polycarbonate back, yeah. which is yeah. plastic. <laughs> which is plastic. Yeah. It's, it's a fancy name um, for plastic. Very fancy plastic. Yeah, I had one of those for one day because there's something weird where like contractually, because this is the time I like the two-year contracts, contractually, I wanted the 5S, but I already traded my phone. They didn't end up having it. So I ended up getting a 5C for a day and then went back to the Apple Store the next day to like switch it out for the 5S. So it was something weird like that. I don't remember the exact details, but I had a 5C for one day and then went to the 5S and you're right. It's a completely different feeling phone. It's a different experience. It was, it very much felt like they were trying to make a more affordable iPhone. Mm Mm-hmm. But the 5S still packed all the new features and all the other kind of stuff. This isn't aluminum. that. You're right. And, yeah, and it's the, aluminum versus plastic. Yeah. Yeah. Here it's 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 the same phone, same material, uh, or at least it has the same feel of the of the same material when you're having it in your hands or when you hold it in your hands, um, mm-hmm. which is interesting. I think that it. I think it really has to do with who they're targeting this phone for. Maybe not necessarily not that people don't like it. It's just. The uh, again, the addressable market, the people who think they think wants the phone is smaller than what the analysts think is uh, what the analysts hope mm-hmm. that the phone is going to be. I also think that the iPhone 11 is still the best selling iPhone as well. Am I wrong? I, I, I don't, I'm just spitballing here, but I'm pretty sure. And if that's the case, I don't, they maybe Apple doesn't expect their most recent iPhone to be their best selling iPhone. That can certainly be true, right? And that makes that makes a lot of sense because, um, you know, even though they have a large number of phones, so you point this out in the first time that we recorded, um, because people buy, get phones, you know, through many different ways. They, you know, but they buy them in the store, they finance them, they get them through the carriers. Not everyone buys, a, you know, the latest model iPhone every year. There's a large number of mm-hmm. people. I would probably think that it's the, uh, it's the fair majority of people who are upgrading are not getting the newest phones. They might be buying a phone that's one years old because those phones come down in price as they, as they cascade in the, or as they uh, lengthen mm-hmm. in the number of years they've been available. There's also the good enough mentality. Like it, it, I have yeah. an iPhone XR. And I used to be the person who bought a new iPhone every year from the iPhone 4 to the iPhone um, iPhone 6. 6S I skipped, but I had a, I had every iPhone from iPhone 4 to iPhone 7. Yeah. And it's just because why not buy every year? There's huge upgrades year on year. And we're not there. Any, like That doesn't happen anymore. iPhone XR is still an awesome device. It's still, I think, going to outclass a lot of Android phones. Maybe not the top tier ones, but... At that price range, it's, I think, the best you can get. So yeah. I, there's not really a need to buy the latest and greatest unless you really want to take advantage of, like, the best camera and that kind of stuff. Yeah, and also there's a global pandemic going around where people don't necessarily – they might not have the job security that they thought they had before. Mm-hmm. They might not have the need yeah. to go buy the best iPhone with the best cameras. Uh, so there's a lot of factors that go into place, which maybe those are being considered. Maybe they're not, but, you know, 
I don't know that. Uh, yeah. I would think that, you know, probably if you're if you were upgrade eligible and you were going to get a new phone, you might not necessarily buy the iPhone 12 Pro or the 12 Pro Max because what's going on in the world unless you have to, right? You're not traveling. You're not taking as many phone or pictures with your phone. Uh, you're not out and about. Why should I spend the money now? I'll wait till the, you know, things change in terms of environment or mm-hmm. when there's a new phone available. Uh, the next story that we're talking about here is Apple related to Apple car news. A couple weeks ago, Apple was talking to Hyundai saying, hey, Hyundai, we want to, we want you to help us build a car. Hyundai said, yeah, that's awesome. And they told everyone about it. And then <laughs> Hyundai <laughs> slowly walked that back saying, what car? What are you talking about? I think they were a little <laughs> gung ho with uh, with uh, being a little bit too liberal with talking about um, uh, what they were working on with Apple. And I think it's just they're new to the game, right? They're, they're new to not the automobile game, but they're new to the uh, confidentiality NDA you know, sign your life away. You can't talk about this game. So I think Holden really, this is, you know, the culmination where you see Hyundai, um, maybe being a little bit too liberal with talking about what they're doing with Apple is just classic car culture where, you know, people that work in the car industry, they talk about, you know, the cars that they're showing off, you know, when they bring cars to auto shows and like, this is a concept car, it's going to be out in three or four Mm -hmm. years. There's not necessarily a high degree of security and confidentiality around that where, you know, working in Apple's realm, uh, it's much, much, much different. And I think they got a little bit too excited. That, yeah. Yeah. They got excited too quickly and, uh, it, it is what it is. So, um, yeah, you never go to a technology, any technology company, you go to their website and see a concept section of their website where you can look at all their future plans for kind of vehicles that they want to release. No. Like car companies do that all the time. It's very normal. But now Apple seems to be with looking to other candidates to help build the Apple car. And, you know, there are a number of different, so there's uh, Hyundai, I think their Toyota was uh, one of them that was in the uh, in the running. Um, also BMW. Now, I think what's interesting is that Apple already has some partnership or some level of partnership with, with BMW as the BMW, um, was it the 5 Series? This, this year is the first car that shows or had the um, Apple car key. This is a product where, the more I talk about it and the more I talk about it with other people, this is not something that we're, we're going to see in the next 18 months. I think it's, it's way farther than that away. But there needs to be these deals with these car manufacturers to help build all of these parts. Building a car is not easy. I mean, I don't know. Hold on. What are your thoughts about this work with uh, that, who they could partner with? I'm sure they're talking to a lot of people and everyone will have their own or each company will have their own kind of advantages to them. Um, but I'm just, I'm really surprised that Hyundai thought they could just talk about this openly and not see repercussion for that. Like, did they know who they were talking to? <laughs> like, it's just, it's just weird. Everyone knows Apple is incredibly secretive and they're not going to want to talk about a future product that's years out in the public sphere. So it's just like funny that like, Hyundai thought they could do that. There's also part of this article too that was like Hyundai wanted to, they didn't want Apple to have all the funder. They were uh, they were uncomfortable with Apple having all the marketing and the branding. And I'm like, again, who do you think you're talking to? Like it's Apple. They're not going to be like uh, an Apple and Hyundai partnership to bring you Apple Car. Like they're going to just call it Apple Car, and that's everyone. It's all everyone's going to know about it. Um, so I just think that Hyundai just it seems like philosophically they were just on different wavelengths altogether. So that's not terribly surprising to see. But yeah, I don't know who they could partner with that would better meet that. I think that a higher end brand like a Mercedes or a BMW kind of speaks more to what we would expect an Apple car to be. But as we're talking about last week, with maybe this car as a service, maybe they want to 
make it so it is more of a Honda or more of a Kia kind of uh, manufacturer on large scale for more mm-hmm. afford uh, more affordably, and that then they just have people using these cars because they're everywhere, as opposed to like people buying a Tesla or something like that, like and buying the status symbol. Like maybe that could be different. So I think that there's like so much uncertainty too into what Apple wants to accomplish with their car and what their goal is that it's hard to say who they're going to partner with. There was a lot of rumors that went uh, when Apple reached out to BMW to start working on car key or what ended up being car key. So maybe they're just working with Hyundai on something else, right? Maybe they're just working with Hyundai and and it has nothing to do with their, um, you know, in context, it has to do with their long-term plans for Apple Car, but maybe they're just going to bring uh, um, Hyundai online to do another car key. They're going to bring out that feature. Uh, we don't know that, and I think that's the part where people get wrapped around the axle, to use a bad pun, um, where like, oh, Apple's talking to, uh, they're talking to, uh, you know, Honda or Toyota. Maybe they're just doing something else, and they're bringing car key to more vehicles. That's certainly feasible. Um, and Absolutely, yeah, it's a fun thing to speculate on. Um, just because it's kind of their next frontier. But it's like the fact that they're in these negotiations or leaving and all that, it's just so early in this process that it's just, it's very, very hard to know for certain what's going to happen. So I think that we'll probably see a Hyundai vehicle with car key uh, in the very near future based on maybe just the same pattern of Apple is partnering with BMW they're going to do the mm-hmm. car, and then you see this part come out, and then you see the uh, the five series come out. Um, yeah, because you know Hyundai does have you know we talk about Hyundai, they do have another product line, not just Hyundai, but they have the Genesis line, where those vehicles are very premium um, at like you know two thirds the price oh. of. Yeah, the the I Genesis. Yes, so they have uh, like the Genesis. I think it's called Genesis G seventy G N E S Genesis G seventy. They're really really nice vehicles. And they've got really, really good ratings. Like the, yeah, yeah, you can G70. tell who they're selling it to based on the fact that there's like a golf ball on <laughs> the yeah. page. Like they show all these, you know, businessmen or a guy working on a document in the back of his car because someone else is driving it or something like that. They're, yeah. they're going for a different clientele than a traditional Hyundai. I have a Hyundai. I like my Hyundai. It's a, I have a Hyundai Elantra. It's a, it's a really good car. Yeah, they make great cars. Um, yeah. And who knows? Maybe, again, like we said, maybe they want to bring car key to uh, this other set of vehicles. Because, uh, again, it's – let's see here. Uh, I'll tell you this. Uh, read the, art, the opening of the article. Although it shares the underpinnings with the Kia St- uh, Stinger, the 2022 G70 kicks luxury uh, quotient up a notch and proves that the Genesis brand is an incredible competitor – in the entry level seg- uh, entry level luxury segment, going head to head with sports sedans such as BMW 3 Series, Mercedes Benz C Class, requires both athletic chassis and posh cabin. Two things that the G70 that happen to be the G70 strength. So along with with that, you know the Apple rumors or so the rumors for Apple glasses are getting heavier and heavier every week. Now the consensus is that Dan Riccio, who was the previous senior vice president of hardware engineering, who was promoted last week, is now leading all AR and VR development for Apple glasses. Now this is not a product that we would see in the next you know twelve months. We wouldn't see it this year for sure. It, it seems like based on timing and the intensity of the rumors, it's probably something that we would see uh, the next. Fall around that uh, around that time frame, just based on uh, timeline for manufacturing this. So the rumor is that these Apple glasses are going to cost 
$3,000. That's three with <laughs> it's number three with three zeros behind it. So they're certainly not inexpensive, but you know, is Apple aiming for productivity? Are they aiming for entertainment? How will these be targeted uh, towards that? It doesn't sound like a consumer product at $3,000. I can't think of more than two people who actually have the money to buy that at $3,000. Really? Um, Holden, I guess, what are your thoughts on Apple Glasses at this point? I think the the 3000 is for the mixed reality headset. Okay. I, I don't know if you have a price on the Apple Glass yet. Okay, um, you're but, right, yeah. But yeah, I think that you, you, what you still said is true there, though, that like the mixed reality headset, I, I can't imagine that's a consumer device. To me, that sounds like it's going to be a development device to help make proper applications for the Apple Glass. It's I, the, the predictions you're kind of saying mixed reality heads at 2022, Apple Glass coming 2023. Um, here's, I guess, like it's we kind of talked a little bit in previous episodes about like what we think this will be the utility for it. If there is a utility for it, how expensive this would be, would people buy it? Um, but even outside of all that, this is a totally new area they're getting into, and they don't have to do the typical release comes within two weeks of announcement. As a matter of fact, when they do announce brand new products, Apple Watch, iPhone, um, kind of Apple products of that caliber, they generally come out months afterwards. Like I think Apple Watch was announced in September 2014, didn't come out till April 2015. iPhone January 2007 came out June 2007. I feel like it's possible the release for this could be we hear about this at the end of this year. And this is just me speculating. We hear about this at the end of this year, and they make a big point of, we're not showing you the Apple Glass yet, but this is where we're going right now. Um, we're releasing this kit for developers. is like a mixed reality headset, so you can start making these applications. That way, we are ready for release with a suite of apps that are available for it. Having those apps available at launch is incredibly important. Um, for their ecosystem. It's it's why their products sell so well as an ecosystem. So it's possible hmm. that we see this announced much, much earlier than expected, which is a really risky move for Apple because generally they want to shorten that window for secrecy's sake, as we talked about earlier with the Apple car. We're struggling mm-hmm. with that right now. But like this is different than in the Apple Watch in the sense that I think it's easy for a developer to imagine, or easier, I should say, for a developer to imagine what their applications use case would be on a one inch screen on your wrist or a 44 yeah. millimeter 42 millimeter um, screen in your wrist I think it's harder to imagine what that's going to look like when you're wearing something and projecting it onto the real world like the interface for your app like I think it's a different it's so different that they need to give that extra lead up time and I know they've been setting up the iPhone with AR for a while. And my kind of expectation was, oh, they're setting up AR for the iPhone. So developers are ready when the Apple glasses do come out. But it's so much different AR on a phone pointing around than it is AR on a physically attached to your face. Um, I think there's just different types of AR experiences. And also, I don't see many apps integrating AR in a meaningful way. I mean, there are big examples like Pokemon Go, or something like that, but there's not like you're not going to open up Facebook or Twitter or an app like this and suddenly see these new AR applications that you didn't have before. So I feel like they need to set this up differently. And so my prediction is that they'll announce kind of towards the end of the year, beginning of next year, their 
AR ambitions, maybe not the particular product itself, and then they will release the headset for developers to to utilize. And then if people want to buy it for themselves as a mixed reality headset that's compatible to Mac or whatever it ends up being, they can do that. And then the year after that, the glasses come out. Um, one last thing, sorry, this is a long tangent. It, it'd be comparable to how they announced the Mac Pro. When the Mac Pro went modular, they just kind of came out and said, hey, uh, WWDC, hey, we're, we're working on a new Mac line. It's going to have... Um, it, it's going to be thinking about the um, the the pro um, um, workflow and they kind of talked about kind of what their goals were, but I don't think we ended up seeing the actual Mac pro until later on in the year. Same thing with the M series chips. Hey, we have these ambitions for what we're going to do with our Mac chips. Uh, we're doing this. Here's a development kit you can get, which is that Mac mini with the um, iPhone 12 um, Z chip in it. And then they released the actual product later on in the year. Maybe it's going to take a similar path as that. It's a good, very good frame where I, I, where I don't know if we've answered the question yet, and I don't mean you specifically answer the question, but like we think about this product, Apple typically doesn't do business to business, right? Their, so their sales, sorry, um, their products yeah. are generally aimed at consumers. Not that the, that the final version will cost $3,000, but who is this product uh, aimed towards and what, like, what use cases is it, I guess, can you think of it solving? Because uh, is it maybe... I mean, could it be television or could it be some form of television? Yeah, sure, it could be. It could be media consumption, maybe, to to generalize that a little bit more. It could be certainly gaming, right? There could be some aspect of, mm-hmm. you know, you're, uh, you're playing games with this. Um, but I don't know if there's that many compelling um, compelling use cases. Because, you know, we talk about it, it's, it's, it would almost certainly have a, uh, a limited battery life. Uh, mm-hmm. the majority of the processing would not be done on the unit itself. It'd be tethered to your iPhone, right? Because you want to make sure that you have that um, that tether uh, for where all the heavy lifting is going to be done. Um, I, I mean, I don't know. It's it, it, I still don't see the, um, I guess, the bigger picture in terms of use cases for this. Yeah. I don't, no, yeah. I, I agree. I don't, I don't see it either. I don't. I think we sound I sad. personally don't. Well, like when I yeah, like when I heard about the Apple Watch, I'm like, ooh, the computer on your wrist. That's that was compelling to me. I was really interested in what you could do with that. I don't have that same like ooh, text messages flying in front of my face. I just don't like, and I'm sure it's gonna be more than that. I think you brought up a good point with the with the gaming application. Like I hadn't I hadn't considered that, but you're right. Like that could be really unique. Where you know it's like a Microsoft's Illuma room, and the game is expanding outside your traditional field of view of the television screen so like you throw a bomb and the bomb ripples throughout the room like things like that could be really immersive and really unique um but it's kind of like the apple watch in the sense that it's a bunch of small things that add up to a reason to buy one as opposed to one gigantic this changes everything for you yeah um yeah it's 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 interesting kind of what's going to happen with this it, it is interesting i I, th- I think i still need more pieces of the puzzle to be uh, to fall in the place for to me to really believe whether I guess the utility and the usefulness of it. Now I, mm-hmm. I'm just not, um, I'm just not nearly as sold on it. No, I, th- I think we're in agreement on that. Yeah, I, I'm a sad Apple fan right now. I'm like I wa- I I want to like it, but I just <laughs> I just can't. I just can't. Not not at this moment. Apple, give yeah. us more. This is enough information to get hyped about. That's just I think it's just kind of where we're at right now. Yeah. I just say we won't be hyped when we finally see it and we realize, oh, this is, you know, the 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 full scale of what this product can achieve. Um, I certainly got very excited about Apple Watch when I first saw it, more so than I was before. Um, 
Who knows? Yeah, but you're right, though. There's too many loose puzzle pieces and too many missing pieces. Yeah, we still need to see more about when this is going to come out. Uh, Sorry, we still need to get more information in terms of the usability and the use cases of what this problem is trying to solve. I mean, even if I I think we we agree that it's not going to cost $3,000, but the question is, even at a third of that price, who is going to buy this, right? What consumer is going to buy this and what's going to be the, you know, why are they going to buy it? I, I just don't see it. Yeah, yeah. People will spend $1,000 on an iPhone because it's already been proven the impact it's going to have in your life. Like all the products that they've released that are adjacent to the iPhone, you know, if you think about it, the uh, Apple TV, Apple Watch, um, the uh, AirPod, the HomePod, all those pro- all those devices are far, far less expensive because they're junk mm-hmm. products, not products that you have to use by yourself than the Apple, uh, sorry, than your iPhone. So if you're bringing out a, a device that is used maybe not in conjunction with uh, sorry, is the use in conjunction with not as adjacent to like your Mac, like you can use your Mac without owning an iPhone, right? And you can use those other products, but they work much better. Though that is much more expensive than your iPhone. If this is supposed to be used in conjunction with your iPhone because that's of maybe point. the dependability or the, the attachment that's needed, uh, it's quite, uh, it would be quite less expensive. And who knows? I, I might actually, I was thinking about trying to pick up an Oculus because I think Oculus right now is the the low, not the low cost leader, but the leader in that space in terms of functionality and price uh, of to try and see if I can pick one up. Have you, have, have you done mixed reality or a VR headset? I haven't done mixed reality, but I've done VR specifically in the Oculus. Um, but that was the Oculus Rift and the Oculus Quest and the Oculus Go are the ones that I've used. Oh, that's right. Um, yeah, so- and they work. Yeah, they work really well. Um, I do think that there's a future in VR in terms of an entertainment medium. Yep. I do think that one of the obstacles that VR faces is shared experience, where right now VR is very much an individual experience. When you have a VR headset on, it's, or I should say, when you are in the presence of someone who is wearing a VR headset, it's very strange. They're like to try to like communicate with them or yeah. like, yeah, because they're just in their own separate world. And yeah. very often I would see, I used to run like demos for VR headsets to be clear. Um, I used to very much see like pe- people in a family coming to do a demo and they'll say dad is in the headset and mom and the kids are trying to talk to dad and dad just doesn't even know they're trying to talk to him. And it's not because he can't hear them. I'm sure he physically can, but he's so engrossed in like that world yeah, that it's, it's almost like a barrier is formed. It's it's a very strange thing. So I think it's a really, really cool entertainment experiencing and is capable of doing things that other entertainment mediums can't. But that shared experience is really important, I think, to media nowadays. You talk about the water cooler moments and the you know, the kind of the family getting together to watch something, or like sports is very much a shared experience. And VR seems to kind of be contrary to that in in some ways so like i think it's really really interesting but i don't know like i still i still have some reservations i i definitely have reservations um i don't it's worth trying out to be clear though it's definitely worth trying out yeah uh i i do i want to get the experience uh i will have to get one The, the only thing i've done is the uh the the google um where you take your your Android phone or your iPhone and you put them inside the cardboard. Um, Daydream, yeah. Yeah. Oh, the cardboard, like I, yeah. That's right. 
that that was fun. What if I guess? Well, so that would actually be that would be interesting. What if they made a headset, but the headset wasn't something that you that by itself didn't or that had these displays? You use your iPhone and you're putting your iPhone in there. Yeah, I've I've thought about that, and and this just might be because I was in a position of doing demos for Oculus Go, which is kind of like the it's more comparable in terms of the Oculus headsets. It's more comparable to what. What, um, you're talking about the smartphone designs. And I think that the benefit of having like a standalone VR device is that VR is very power hungry and it drains your phone really fast because it's just working with all the sensors. The display is incredibly important to the process. Um, again, the processor has to process a lot of calculations for movement of your head and all that kind of stuff. There's just a lot that's happening there and your battery will die in like two hours. So yeah. I don't know if people are going to want to put their phone into a device like that and then they can't get text messages for the rest of the day because they decided to see Mount Everest hmm. okay. or something, or some kind of experience like that. Hmm. So like, I so, think that like it makes sense, but it, I feel like a standalone device would be more practical. Um, what are the sensors that they would need to have access to? The, the gyroscope, the display, the microphone, I would presume. Anything mm-hmm. like anything like you could think of or, or anything else? Like what else is in there? Yeah, I mean it's those sensors, but it's the level of calculations that they have to do per second. Yeah. Is probably greater than it would be if like, you know, tilting your iPhone to the sides to make the web page wide instead of tall, like that kind of yeah. thing. Okay. Like it's just it's constantly having to process that stuff. Okay. And depending on the headset, um, like if you're talking about like an Oculus Quest, for example, or an Oculus Rift, um, Rift S, which uses cameras built into the headset um, to track the movement of the world around you as you move, or how you move within a relation to the world around you, it's working with all those sensors and then additional sensors, and it has to constantly compare those numbers against each other. It's just it's just a ton of of work for these devices to do. And then you put on top of that, they generally have to run at very high frame rates. That way, it's it's not nauseating. You generally mm-hmm. want to be higher than. I'm sure you could get away with 60 frames per second, but ideally you'd want to be closer to 90, 120 frames per second so it feels as smooth as possible. Um, so you're talking about number of calculations, much higher frame per second, so which means you're increasing the number of calculations per second. And then um, also just high fidelity things. Do you want things to look good on top of it? So it's just a lot, a lot of processing power. So what's interesting, it sounds like a, a lot of the things that you're describing, while they are in Apple's wheelhouse in terms of uh, they have the capabilities to do that. There are mm-hmm. some things it sounds like that is that they are new to where you haven't seen that in an Apple product. So they uh, they have no display that is sorry they have no um, display that is 4K right even even 8K. I don't even know if they make 8K displays that are the size of a visor. Uh, and I can't imagine how much that costs. Uh, it would have to be extremely yeah. oh, expensive. Absolutely, yeah. They they, they don't have uh, high frame rate refresh devices in that small of a display though they do have it in the iPad Pro um, mm-hmm. uh, in terms of high frame rate. I, I don't know. It, it's interesting to think about usually what the story is that Apple leverages these existing technologies that they're, all, that they're already good at and put them in new products. Um, but some of these things, I guess, are net, they sound like they're net new to Apple's uh, mm-hmm. wheelhouse. So there's a lot. There's a lot that have to go into it, and I feel like that's why this thing is apparently going to the mixed reality heads. It's going to cost three thousand dollars because it's rumored to have eight K displays, and those eight K displays, to your point, are going to have to run at very high frame rates. Yes. So that that's just that's that alone is a lot of power, and I know it'll be like a Retina display uh, for a VR headset. So there's no kind of screen door effect. 
Um, but that's just, that's a lot of processing. It's a lot of processing power. 8K display sounds extremely detailed for a, for a headset. I think the uh, Oculus, if I'm not mistaken, it's only a 1080p display. Oculus. Oh, I, I think it's that. 1440p, I think. Yeah, you're, yeah 1440, but uh, Oculus Rift S. Which is good enough for a game. Which is For good a game, enough. I think it's good enough. But for text, it's not not even close no i wonder what the um what is the name of the the towel lens that's AR yeah lens. which i think that is about three thousand dollars is think. that actual a product that they sell i think they're like development kits like i think you can get it but it's not necessarily a consumer device see but that's microsoft's business model that's where i'm, I'm you know i'm a little <laughs> they're using skype i'm going this. to microsoft site Hello yeah, that's, what, that's what I'm doing options. too. It's three thousand five hundred dollars. Is this a is this a standalone device? Like, is it wireless? Is it all? Is everything done inside of the to pre order four thousand? Yeah. Wait, wait. I see Hololens. Oh, Industrial Edition, four thousand nine hundred and fifty dollars. <laughs> and it has. Um, it doesn't actually say the resolution. Oh, it's two K. It's a two K display. Okay. But I don't well, know if that's per uh, eye solutions. or it, if that's overall, because that's important too. Like, it would be so cool to see the way that, like, this, see what I see. They're having, like, the, the video call. But as you put it, and as it's being said right here, this is not a device that's geared towards consumers. Mm-hmm. Uh, not because of price, but because of the, you know, the use cases. Yeah. You know, it would be really the other cool. thing, too. Um, and even outside of this, HoloLens reminds me of this because I, I remember when HoloLens first coming out and the kind of the use cases they were, they were showing for it. It's also good for like 3D modeling. So even if you're not making things for AR specifically, like you're working yeah. on the next Pixar movie, for example, would you rather sculpt out a 3D character on a 2D screen or would you rather be able to walk around it and sculpt it as if it was really clay in front of you or something like that? Hmm. That's a good point. Good point. Um, like what would be maybe a compelling use case, though I don't think it it's, would be widely used, is the ability to provide tech support to you, Holden, and for me to see what you see. Like, okay, mm-hmm. don't cut the blue wire, cut the red wire, right? You for, <laughs> for bomb technicians, or you know, you're working yeah. on your parents' computer. Like, okay, now do this. Um, that mm-hmm. would be really interesting. To further this idea of, of professional use case only, how about the Apple Pro Display XDR? That's absolutely something they sell as a professional use case only. You could buy it if you wanted to as a consumer, but it'd be absolutely ridiculous to do so. I, I think at least. like I, I would never recommend a consumer, an average consumer buy that. Um, but it's not because it's a great display. It's because its use case is very specifically tailored towards a professional environment. Maybe this is the same thing. I guess you're right. That, that is probably the only example in recent times where Apple, went, instead, of going, uh, instead of going up market... Well, I mean, I guess let me, let me just say that again. That's probably the only example that I can think of in recent times where Apple is starting at the absolute high end and working their way down um, yeah. for pro device because th- that certainly is. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a good point, Holden. Good point. Uh, see pricing and options. Arm and a leg. Arm, arm and a leg and a kidney. Okay. Yeah, so I, I am <laughs> certainly interested in learning more about this Oculus Rift. Uh, Holden, anything else you want to add today? Uh, no, I think that covers it. Okay. Holden, where can everyone find you? 
I am uh, at Respawn Aim Fire, which is a uh, video game podcast weekly, a weekly video game podcast. I'm also just on Twitter at Holden DePardo. Holden, thank you very much for joining me today. Everyone, we'll talk to you in the next one. Thanks very much.